thing I think community that you can make an impact on whether it's kids' lives, other coaches' lives, yeah. other families' lives. I think that's the value of owning a business is being able to use that as a vehicle. Welcome to the Commercial Painting Podcast. Whether you're a seasoned leader or just getting started with your business, we're here to help you take your organization to the next level. Today's show is brought to you by the Commercial Painting Industry Association, or as we often refer to it on the show, the CPIA. It's also brought to you by A David Creation. You can find more information about these sponsors in the show notes for this episode. Thank you for being a part of today's conversation. All right, well, here we go. Uh, another one here from Wrigley Field on the tail end of our CPIA leadership conference and excited to have uh, joining us from Signer Painting, uh, David and Ian. So uh, I'll let you, I'll hand the mic to you guys for a second and just let you kind of introduce yourself, let the audience know where you're from. And I know, you know, there's so many people listening from all around the globe that, you know, you have to really be clear about who you are because, yeah, no, sure. not, and I mean, you're pretty well known, but. At least when I come in the office, I'm pretty well known. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so my name is Ian Signer, and uh, I am the president of Signer & Company Painting in Portland, Oregon. Uh, we were established in 1991 and run about somewhere between 50 and 60 employees between office and field full-time. Uh, a lot of our work is in the repaint, tenant improvement, new construction, um, kind of market sectors, uh, but we also do some other niche stuff too. So uh, a lot of, a lot of really well-rounded commercial painting and wall covering. Perfect. Yeah. And then what in, in David, you work for Signer. Yep. Yep. And, uh, what's your role? How did you wind up? How'd you fall into the trap of painting? Well, I've been in the industry since, uh, 1997 and, uh, you know, I've been union, most of my career. Uh, I was a business owner for a short period of time. And then uh, uh, when COVID hit, I had to shut my doors. Uh, so uh, full circle, ironically enough, when I moved to the Pacific Northwest, I actually wanted to uh, work for Signer, but he wasn't hiring at the time. <laughs> um, I applied for the uh, superintendent position and uh, been with him for about two years now. Yeah. So Which you're is the field superintendent for Signer then? Yeah, which is interesting because I don't, you know, it was, I think, 2012 when you came in and applied. And, you know, that's such a, I mean, obviously, it was a little bit of time ago. But, uh, <laughs> but knowing Dave now, it's like, boy, this guy would have been a perfect fit even back then as a painter. Um, but full circle, you're from. Well, ironically yeah. enough, I'm from Chicago. So, you know, just yeah. being here. Good to be back. Yeah, nice good to be, be back. back. Great. Well, I think there's a couple things that I wanted to um, kind of bring to light and kind of have with the audience. And so um, one note, I think that is, we, we talked to Steve about it a little bit, but so you're a union contractor. We are a union contractor. And so when were you from day one union? Did you decide to go union at some point in the company's history? And is that was that a, was that driven by labor or like, you know, I mean, I'm not asking for to go too deep, but just. The basics of it. Yeah, you don't want to know about the gun to my head or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Uh, so we, my dad and my mom started the company. My dad was um, a union painter, started his apprenticeship in 1972 um, and kind of worked his way up, uh, worked for both non-union and union. So he understood both. And 
So when we were incorporated in 91, the choice was that we would stay union. We always, and, and so my dad always had a really good relationship with his field employees because he had been a superintendent, he had been an apprentice, he had been a, a foreman, he had been a journeyman painter. He really understood, he'd worked both sides of, of the, the labor fence, I guess you might say. And uh, so in the kind of like early to mid 90s before we signed a contract, those conversations and votes were always had by the employees um, and, and my dad and basically saying, you know, look, you guys want to be union, we'll be union and I'll go that direction and I'm good with it. Um, we had a couple of votes that went no and then in 96, I think he was at the point where he looked at being union as an opportunity to grow and have access to some of the things that he knew he, you know, that he understood, which apprenticeship is a big one. And so voluntarily, uh, I think they still had a vote, but voluntarily recognized the union in 1996 and, and we've been union ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And well, and so like, obviously the association and, and, you know, our podcast and stuff, we have a variety of different contractors. So like as a union contractor, do you draw benefit from non-union contractors? I mean, does it, do you think that there's any, I mean, to me, the game of business is the game of business. It doesn't, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So 100%. Like the, we're both doing financial monitoring and KPIs yeah. and yep. trying to find work and trying to deal with employees. I mean, I think that obviously the union side has some advantages on the labor side um, because of the apprenticeship and because some of it. Do you draw value from non-union contractors or do you prefer to just be? Like around union contractors all the yeah. time? Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I, you know, I think good relationships are good relationships no matter who you're around. Um, if you're union or non-union it, it to me it's just a decision you make as a business owner to say hey i'm going to be in la or i'm going to be in el paso texas it's just a it's just the formality of what you chose as a business owner and how you wanted to structure your business because you know it's like to me it's like having white shirts or blue shirts it yeah. really doesn't matter right yeah so i draw i draw value on relationships and so whether they're union or non-union you're gonna you're going to get along with the people that you get along with. And it really doesn't matter where they're from or, or what their business. Yeah. That was how your dad yeah. was too. I mean, I knew your dad and he yeah. was, he was very active in the painting industry. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Worked. Uh, yeah. He was president at ABC for the, uh, for the Portland. Uh, I think it was called like Portland Metro or Portland Willamette chapter or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but then also president of uh, PDCA and uh, various labor uh, management boards as well. Sure. So, yeah. So from uh, to ask you, David, what do you think that Signer does especially well? Like, is there something that like you said you wanted to work there a, you know, a decade ago or better and like now you're there? Like, what's the stuff that drew you to Signer? And what do you guys, what do you think as an organization that you guys do especially well that maybe some other people could glean, you know, some insight from? Well, I would say just the uh, style and the type of work, um, you know, he Ian's been you know, involved with a lot of the uh, uh, maintenance. McMinimins being a Pacific Northwest place, they do uh, an array of different styles of finishing, whether it's wood finishing, whether it's bar tops, whether it's paint. Um, 60 some locations, it's pretty cool. So you're constantly moving around in that case. I've always been a big job guy. So, you know, high rises and stuff were always my deal. Um, you know, we just completed about a 15 story hotel about a year ago. Yeah, about a year ago. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And, you know, fun to just be a part of. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
I think the one other thing that we were going to ask, that I wanted to ask you about is you, you do some ancillary service, one being the panel. And yeah, I, so I'll let you describe it because yeah. I'm, not, I'm not super in the know. I'm curious, though. Yeah, and like, yeah. That's one of the things that's interesting is like you meet somebody who's like, did you do this? You're like, no, I don't do it. He's like, you could. It's pretty lucrative. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, so, should, you should maybe look at it. You yeah. Know? So, it, it, you know, you can tell us a little bit about what exactly it's a fat five. Fabritrax. So, so I'll, yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about it. So, um, you know, niche markets is something that people talk about all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in painting, it's like you may be an interior only painting contractor. And so niche for you is like working outside. Well, for us, it was always inside, outside. You know, if we could get in, whatever. <laughs> I'll pay your car. <laughs> Sometimes unintentionally. <laughs> so um, the the niche market was I was... I was kind of, we, we had done a really big job and it kind of, you know, I was there three days a week as a project manager and it was so time consuming and a lot of stress. And when we got done, I was kind of like, boy, this is it. You know, now I got to go out and find another big job to like equal the revenue that I was really getting accustomed to. Yeah. And, you know, so now what do I do? And I've been spending all this time being a project manager. I need to put my sales hat back on and Big jobs take a long time to materialize, you know, six to eight months of bidding and meetings and trying to figure out whether or not you're going to be the fit. Then construction starts and, and you got to wait your turn. Ended up talking to someone, another contractor actually out of Cleveland on a um, on a trip and kind of a industry trip. And we were talking about this very idea of what do you do when you're so immersed in something and it's taking up your time and maybe it's starting to turn into a commodity how do you differentiate yourself? And he suggested fabric panels. And he was a, a, a Fabritrack installer. So Fabritrack is an acoustic uh, panel system um, that is based on track and wrapping track with fabric. And they're out of New Jersey, and they have a, you know, a number of installers all around the country. And so we knew one up in the Seattle area that we had subbed work to, and they were kind of changing their model on how they were dealing with installers. They were going to kind of a, a multiple installer in one area type of model because they were finding there was all these market segments that they couldn't address with one installer. So we ended up having some conversations with the installer out of Seattle who kind of owned the Oregon market and um, it's really opened a lot of doors. Um, that's pretty much it. Is that done in uh, new construction setting existing? Is it mostly TI? Is it is that's a proprietary? That's like a brand. That's a, I mean, is there other brands? That's a that, that's a trademark brand. There yeah. are other brands, and we had done some research on other brands. We landed on Fabritrack because we were familiar with them. Yeah, we knew the product. We operated on job sites where that project was being installed quite regularly, and so what Fabritrack is is, and when I say track based systems. You can use it in new construction, existing construction. Um, you know, it's 90% interior, 99, if not 100% interior, because it's about noise reduction and, um, and kind of sound within uh, office spaces and all, all those types of commercial spaces. And what it in entails is a track system that you fasten to the wall. You can build any sort of shape, whether it's circle, square, triangle, octagon, et cetera infill it with an acoustical material, and then you wrap your fabric of choice around and, and use a special tool set to, to tuck that fabric into 
various areas so that um, the track is, is concealed. And so we really, what I really liked about it, uh, specifically fabric track and acoustic panels in general, is that there was a certain design element that I felt I could have a conversation around and create relationships around with people that I was not used to dealing with. Some of that was extremely scary. Yeah. Like to get into the design market and deal with people in the design mm -hmm. field where I had virtually no influence. No, you know, it's not like coming to CPIA or some of these other things that we go to where we know everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, this was design world and we didn't know these people. So yeah. that's taken a little bit to get used to, but um, it's been so rewarding. Today's episode is brought to you by the Commercial Painting Industry Association, the CPIA, and a David Creation. Find more information about our sponsors in the show notes for this episode. Now, let's get back to the show. I'm going to switch gears for a minute. Do All it. right, let's talk about marketing for a second. <laughs> but just briefly, like, so that's one way you get business from that. So that's a new avenue that you're going down. Like, what else? So you guys have been around for 30 years plus now. Uh, what's the, how do you guys brand yourself, especially as a union contractor? You're like, your union's not feeding you, you work, so you guys have to go out and get work. So what... What kind of things have you done to build your brand? Well, I mean, outside of, uh, you know, the, the kind of typical, whether it's uh, branding on company vehicles, trucks, um, signage, things like that, I've always been kind of more of a grassroots person of, um, you know, people want to buy services from people that are just like them. Mm -hmm. You know, what, whatever that means to you, right? So if you are... Um, you've, you, you put an emphasis on value, you're going to find the people that want value. It's obviously your job to communicate that, but um, I'm involved in trade associations. Um, more recently, within the last couple of years, I started to get out of painting only trade associations. Yeah. I still value, obviously, things like CPIA and all, and all the uh, interesting pieces that it brings. But I got into a business leads group where there's 95 to 100 different companies that do that don't do. I'm the only painter, yeah. and that's been highly rewarding because that's brought open, um, that's brought other business type relationships that has allowed us as a company to grow right. internally. Yeah. So that was one. Um, I'm very involved in uh, baseball and coaching, mm -hmm. um, from football to baseball, and making those types of community connections with your company and showing people who you are. I think, um, you know, Tom Reber's got his way of doing things and, yeah. and, and I'm, I need to probably open myself up a little <laughs> bit to doing things a little bit differently that way. Sure. But I really do like the idea of giving people an idea of who you really are. Mm -hmm. I think there's just be a, real. Yeah. yeah, be real. And it, but it takes time, right. To get yeah. into that comfort level. Exactly. So we're, we're headed that direction, I think. Are you guys uh, sponsor those kind of things too? Are you putting your logos on those kind of things and yeah. as well and give out swag or whatever? Yeah, there's a, a high school in our in my community that, and I'm not opposed to doing this in, in other communities, but there's a high school in my community that uh, in the outfield wall, there's a signature company sign. There'll be one at the football field soon. And, and it's not just, you know, the sports that we're familiar with. Like yeah. I'm anything I think community that you can make an impact on whether it's kids' lives, other coaches' lives, yeah. other families' lives, I think that's the value of owning a business is being yeah. able to use that as a vehicle. Yeah, I mean, I bring it up because a lot of the residential companies I've dealt with, you know, they're big on that community, but I think a commercial painting business should be just as involved in the community and yeah. 
build their brand that way. Because I mean, yeah, you're B two B, but I mean, people own businesses or work for businesses, and it's just another way to get your name out in front of them, and that you're, you know, you're not just there for the money; you're there to for the community. What's well, the hard part, yeah. right? Is when yeah. you're when you own a, uh, you know, a commercial business or something like that, and you're you're getting bigger and you're growing. You've got maybe four or five other things that you're working on. You're like, we got to get this done. We got to get this done. And then when that gets done, then I'll be ready to go. Right. Yeah, you got to. <laughs> somewhere along the lines, five yeah. other things come up. Right. Yep. But I do yeah. think you do move up, move it up in the priority list is yeah. to start doing more in the community. All the time, I think yeah. it's a, super yeah. important. Yeah, for sure. We've talked about that with coaching and stuff, and it's you know it's, a, it's always a challenge because you know the one thing you have to be is available and around, and <laughs> you know that, that makes coaching a challenge for me just based on my schedule. And I have you know kids, and you have kids. You know, I mean, our kids are actually friends where families know each other so it's uh it's it certainly can be rewarding and we've talked about it. i'm like dang I, I wish i had more time to do that because i enjoy it i just um you know I, I get pulled but i mean being part of the community is certainly something that is uh it can be very rewarding in that sense so well if uh people want to get a hold of you guys or maybe your website or something so yep. that you can give a little bit of information about that and yeah so we're if you go to www obviously signer and company.com. Um, we're also on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, any of those. Um, I have a, a freelance uh, social media person that I work with, but a lot of the messages come directly to me, and so I'll answer them. And, and you, if you Google us, you can find us there too. Great. Well, thanks guys for being part of this, and thanks for uh, taking a little time out of your day here. And uh, at least we had a decent view for today. So, mm -hmm. not too bad. <laughs> yeah. Thank Happy you. to be here. Thanks for having us. Thank you guys. Thanks. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of the Commercial Painting Podcast. Thanks for tuning in and for being a part of this conversation. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and consider sharing this episode with somebody who might also enjoy it. We want to hear from you. If you have thoughts, questions, or even suggestions for future topics and guests, please reach out and let us know. You can find us at commercialpaintingpodcast.com or find our contact information in the show notes for this episode. Well, that's a wrap on this episode. Take care and be sure to tune in next time to the Commercial Painting Podcast.